Hey everyone, welcome to the Amazingly Ordinary Podcast. I'm your host, Chris White. Welcome to the Amazingly Ordinary Podcast. And this is the first episode, um, so pretty excited and unsure. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm here with um, a, a good friend of mine and um, also a very ordinary person, Hey, um, Aaron Dawson. And um, so I, I, uh, I wanted to talk to Aaron because... He is part of an well a ton of amazing stuff. I think uh, it's pretty pretty awesome stuff all throughout our the city of Lubbock, uh, which is where we're at, and specifically with some things related to orphan care and both in his own family and um, across across the city and community partners. So wanted to talk about that and you know how you got into that and what that means. Um, a lot of people think orphan care. I have no idea mm-hmm. what that even means. Yeah, and I only know some because of you. So, <laughs> but I think it's amazing. Obviously, wanted to get some ideas and thoughts, and you know, maybe maybe some ideas for people in other cities. Yeah, you know, that might for some reason listen to some random guys out of Lubbock, Man, I Texas. Would. So. I would show up on the show. <laughs> so, so anyway, tell us first. Um, I mean, how. How did you like come into the idea or the the concept of orphan care? Where did that all start? Yeah, I, <laughs> I knew nothing about orphan care like three years ago. It was a foreign thought to me. Orphans or um, orphanages and those things those happen overseas. Those don't, those don't happen here. Um, but in reality, um, here it's just called the foster system. That's that's what it is, and the problem is. Um, just as bad in many ways in our, our own backyard. And uh, I've been blind to it most of my life. So three years ago, my wife um, had been working for early childhood intervention for several years. So she's a counselor. So she would go into the homes of families that had like zero to three-year-olds. Most of them were CPS referrals. And so they were having to do services or plans in order to help their situation on track, and um, the part of town she was in was a really poor part of town. That was her her area, and so for years she would come home with heartbreaking stories about what she saw. And she's like, "I don't understand why this happens. I don't understand why these kids have to live like this." And these um, moms and dads grew up the same way. They um, don't know much better because nobody was there to tell them. And so I'd let her cry on my shoulder and pat her on the back and <laughs> for, right. for a long time. You're and, a good husband. Yeah, and broke my heart Most too. Most of the time. <laughs> but, you know, this is the world we live in. And so, anyway, um, several years in, it started getting a little more real. And she started asking questions and saying, saying Aaron, there's, some of these families are like foster parents. They're fostering and they're living in um, just feels their poor situations are there not 
foster families that can can bring these kids into better situations. And she had a friend at work that had started doing the same thing. And I think if it weren't for that friend at work, and it was somebody that looked looked like us, and smelled like us, and talked like us, and just kind of gave us um, this light bulb that maybe this is something we could do. Well, it still took me probably a year to to come around. I'd say, yeah, honey, that maybe someday. That's a great idea. It's like, well, when is someday? <laughs> <laughs> is that like tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> and so she she finally basically asked me that. She, she said, okay, can we talk about this? Because you say someday. And she pinned me down and said, I remember, we're in the car one day. And she said, um, okay, honey, when, when can we talk? I said, well, maybe after the kids go to bed one night this week. And she said, I know you need a few days to think about it, she told me. So it was Monday, what about Thursday at 9 o'clock, and the kids go to bed. Let's just have a conversation. Like, well, crap. <laughs> Pinned down. Yeah. And so 9 o'clock came, and it was a pretty short conversation because I just, I had no reason to say no. We had space in our home. Um, our hearts were open to it. We had no idea what that looked like. So that's how we got involved in it. Wow. So, but it really had no idea what it entails from that point. I mean, because really, I mean, for a lot of people, that's like, that's, that would, you said you didn't really have any excuses, but for a lot of people, that might be, that would be it. I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen. We just, like, from that point, it was time to Google. Mm -hmm. And so we we Googled. We talked to the one foster family we knew that I talked about. And um, for about a month, um, brought it up to our families a little bit. Um, There was some resistance and part of our family just because kind of open up your, your own kids to risk. And, you and your kids that. were how old at that time? Yeah. Um, they would have been... Just three years ago, you said? Five and two. Right. Yeah. A girl... So a young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real little. So, what, three months after that, we had our foster license and got our first foster child. That's really fast. It was, right? yeah. It three was, months is pretty fast. Well, three months from Thursday night, really it took us four weeks to get our license, which that's fast. If you expect to get a foster license, it's going to be six to ten weeks, depending. Um, they fast-tracked us because in Lubbock right now, we're, we're like in an orphan care crisis. High, high need. Yeah. Okay. What, what, is, what is that, when you say crisis, what is that? I mean, I'm sure there's cities all over uh, the country um, and beyond, but, but what is like the definition of crisis? Percentage-wise, is there some kind of... Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the threshold is to use that word uh-huh. accurately, but in Texas, um, we're in Region 1. Um, there's nine regions, I believe, in Texas, and we're in the Panhandle. So in our region, 35% of removals have to get moved out of the region. 35% of kids that um, are confirmed abuse or neglect cases, they can't find homes in our area for them. Mm. So they have to literally ship them off to El Paso or Dallas or any other. And everybody's strained. I mean, Mm. everywhere has not enough foster families. But our area in particular, there's a shortage. So you said 35% have to go out of, like, our area, the panhandle. Out of the region. That doesn't even count kids. They have to move from, they live in a neighborhood in Lubbock, they have to move them to Amarillo. Uh-huh. Because that's considered in region, so they didn't count those. They're having to move from their city. Okay, which would be a much higher percentage. Higher, okay. Yeah. 
so so you decided to do research from there and then and then once you're licensed you know what what happens yeah you know um it was totally totally blind fake decision we'd never done really anything like this like in my head, I thought I'd done some blind faith stuff before. Maybe I had, but not like this. You're opening yourself up. This is 24-7 deal. Right, um, yeah. You're in, you're out. We said, okay, we're in. There's no amount of thinking about it, no amount of counting costs that can really prepare us or weigh this out, whether you're going to do it or not. So we did it. We got our first um, little girl. She was a um, two-year-old African-American girl, uh, pretty much the same age as our son at the time. And... We were so excited and so nervous, and she was so cute, and she got there, and it was an absolute disaster. Um, poor girl had drug exposure issues. Um, her brain really wasn't there. Like, she looks normal, but she just cognitively, um, like she, she would run into walls. I mean, it was just, it was just weird stuff. Um, she would just, she would, like, be standing on the couch, and just, um, the kids had been, like, jumping on the pillows on the couch, so that game was over, and the pillows were put up, and she jumped off the couch as if she was landing on something. Just really hurt herself. Just weird stuff, and violent. And our son Will, being two, didn't know how to deal with that. It was really hard on our family. We expected it to be, but we sure felt like a bunch of sissies. Like after three weeks, we're <laughs> like, "What are we doing? What is this doing to our kids?" Yeah. And so we actually did the worst thing you can do in foster care is like put in our 30-day notice that we've got a, I don't think this kid works in our house. Mm. And it was heartbreaking. And mm-hmm. we didn't think that meant we couldn't do foster care anymore, but it sure is just disoriented us. No. Well, that's good to to hear the reality of of, of that. Because, I don't know, a lot of times you, you, you hear, you know, some doing foster, and it's hard, and, and, and so on, but not, you don't hear the you know, the doubt, you know, or this to say, okay, well, we started this and this was not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but, uh, what, I mean, what kept you going? Well, twos are supposed to be the easy ones, man. The, the behavior issues are, are the tough cases. Like the older kids tend to be older and we weren't even there yet. So like, we just felt mm-hmm. like we, we messed up and, um, but it was for our kids that we could handle her, but what it was doing to our kids was this, the part we had a hard time. So no, we, we stuck with it. Let's, let's keep going and, See what happens. Um, sibling ages, like proximity to your own siblings, is a really important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, we decided we needed to maintain birth order in our kids. Um, so we went with younger until our kids got older. So our kids are now, by the way, this was three years ago. This is pretty fresh for mm-hmm. us still. So our kids are now eight and five. Our bio kids are eight and five. Mm-hmm. And we have one adopted and three foster currently. So we have six kids in our house. Six now. Six now. That's seven, a lot of kids. seven on Monday. <laughs> that was real quick. Um, so sometimes you, like, not to interrupt, but, but like, what you have one um, that's adopted, and then you have three mm-hmm. that you currently have. But those times can fluctuate all over the place, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I mean, I can be there from... I mean, what what are the times? You know, like months or and like weeks or days. I still ask that. <laughs> we, we're we're pretty well versed on foster care now. <clears throat> still, people ask us like, what's the average? It's like yeah. I know it varies, but what's the average time span a kid will be at your house? It's like, yeah. man, there's no average. You don't know. Like at emergency placements, when they get removed from the house, they need a place immediately, 
and during the next week or two weeks, uh, CPS is um, diligently looking for um, a family member that might be able to take care of them. So if there's a, re- a relationship, a relative that shows up, um, that's default. That trumps uh, right. random foster home. And so it could be days or weeks if the relative is found. If the relative's not found, you know, you're in it for a little while. Um, the typical span of, a, like, mom and dad's plans they have to work is, like, 12 months. Mm-hmm. And so if they complete their stuff in 12 months, within that, kids will go back home. Um, if not, things are extended, and that kid often ends up just in limbo in the foster system until they age out, which is really, really bad. Mm-hmm. So you have you have one particular child that started out as an adoption, or not adoption, started out as a uh, as, foster. as foster, and now you, because you mentioned earlier, uh, now you've you have an adopted child. So mm-hmm. how how did that come about, and the differences between you know going through and adopting her and and then fostering yeah, yeah. more yeah. So tell us about that. Um, so we had two biological kids, and um, kind of thought we, we may end up adopting one. Uh, by the way, adopting through foster care is basically free mm-hmm. um, versus you know twenty thirty thousand dollars that you'll pay at an adopt- adoption agency. They're, I did not know that they're all kids, so, and okay. so I mean, if you if paying thirty thousand dollars to adopt a kid is wonderful, worth it. That's, yeah, it's it's an, it's, a right. chi- it's a child, but um, but. If you adopt from the foster system, uh, you can't maybe pick and choose like you'd be able to in the just straight adoptive system. Um, mm-hmm. And you may have to wait because these kids get removed and you don't know what's going to happen with the parents. And so, um, so anyway, different process, but, different but process, um, the end, <laughs> the, the end goal is result is the same. You have a yeah a child and, and often one that yeah need, needs a good home, needs a good yeah. home. It's very broken. And so, um, she's, she's three and a half now. I won't, I won't say her name, just in case, you know, this, what the internet's like worldwide, isn't it? Um, the internet is. Yeah. This probably won't be. <laughs> what? <laughs> I what have you no, told me. I have no idea. Gosh. <laughs> You're on episode one. Of, of some ordinary. You're on episode one of, I don't know, one. Three. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Hopefully two. Nonetheless, we won't, we won't speak her name. Um, in August of that first year that we started fostering, we got a phone call that it was a girl that had been severely abused, um, been in the hospital for five weeks, um, should have died, was an event for nine days. Um, one of her caregivers, one of her parents, had um, repeatedly hit her head against a door and against a wall because she, because she was crying. And... Uh, and it wasn't the first time, probably. It was just the worst time. And so when the worst time happened, she um, went into seizures, and they brought her to the hospital, and signs are obvious. They've got child abuse specialists that know what to look for. All right. People make yeah. all the excuses in the world, but um, there's telltale signs. <clears throat> One of those is um, your retina is detached. Retinas are really fragile in babies. And so she was uh, rendered blind during that, had several eye surgeries. Um, so we get this call about this baby. We had some of that information about, would you be willing to take her in? So, well, yeah. 
Uh, of course, we could really take it. So, um, so we did, and uh, and over the next several months, um, just walking with her through these initial processes of, um, if she's she's gonna live, and she's gonna be vegetable. Uh, she was the limpest thing I've ever touched for the first five months. Wow. Um, but she would laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would just get so tickled. She would love to hear singing and voices. And um, she never cried, which is not a good thing. Um, but she would laugh. And so so throughout that, she just had the best spirit. And uh, we walked. When you say never cried, that that's not a that's not a good thing. What do you what do you mean? She, Does that just tell you how much damage there is, or probably a few things. One one of those is she still doesn't really cry at pain. I mean, her pain threshold is just it's it's ridiculous. It's just sad. Um, she can fall pretty hard and just not cry. Um, and part of that's probably brain stuff. So I don't, you know, yeah, I, I can't estimate. Yeah, how much <clears throat> of her brain is dead? But she's got, I mean, a good third that's dead. And so, so many obstacles against her. You know, she, she, we're told she'll be to be wheelchair bound, um, probably a vegetable, probably a live-in adult with you for the rest of your life. And realized pretty quickly this girl's not going back home. <laughs> and so right. in the month or so I started having a conversation about, okay, this is going to come up. Are, are we open to adopting a child and be with us for the rest of our, our Yeah, because well, I mean, where's she going to go right. from yeah. there? Yeah. Um, I don't know what the options are. <laughs> yeah, these kids aren't marketable. Is that a terrible word to use? I, that, um, I mean, unfortunately. the reality. Yeah. And so, so we made another leap of faith and just, I mean, when, when that child is in your presence and makes it, all the difference in the world. If this is a kid on a piece of paper um, or a statistic, yeah, mm-hmm. it's bad. But when they are in your arms, um, there's just no way for us, no way you could say no. So, long story short, two and a half years, um, we actually had to fight the family for her. They weren't going to give her back to the family, but the family was not giving yeah, up. Yeah, it was a difficult process. Um, to... Went to jail several times, bailed out several times. You? No, I'm just the baby. No, <laughs> I'm just, just <laughs> the parents. And um, but in the spring, um, they started Joy on a Walker. And oh wow! She is um, in therapy, walking on treadmills. I mean, maybe years before she does that independently, but um, she's regained uh, part of her eyesight and inside of one eye. She uses it really well, and just just a miraculous place for her to be in, uh, based on the darkness that she experienced. So all that's on a personal level. You know, you've gone in just three years from mm-hmm. from uh, having, having own kids, normal, no, I say normal family. Uh, yeah, I don't know okay. about normal. Well, <laughs> I know you're better you're certainly ordinary. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say, just for our people here, you probably don't know where Lubbock, Texas is, but I'm so normal. I I, I was born here. Mm-hmm. I never moved here from here. I met my wife here. I went to college here. I went to got my master's like two hours down the street, and I drive a 2005 white Suburban. I'm just like so <laughs> average. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's not so disgusting. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know what the percentage of our people that, you know, stay close to where they were born and grew up. It's pretty high, I think. Yeah, probably but so. I don't know. 
That's not that's not that bad. <laughs> but this is the title of the podcast. Yeah, so <laughs> just ordinary. I'm in my element. But uh, yeah, exactly. So hope, hopefully everybody is. But so on a personal level, you 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 know this is all your family. Um, and and how many how many families in Lubbock what like that that are foster families? How many foster families? Um, I mean, I know last week there are. It's it's a little convoluted to I mean, to explain sure. the whole system right now. Is well, it's, it's a, not yeah. the time or place, but CPS is CPS, and they're licensed families. You can get your license from CPS. CPS is also the one that is basically the parent of the child. Foster parents are not mm-hmm. guardians, although you have you know medical consentorship and all these things. So CPS is the is the authority. Well, CPS also needs like private organizations. Like I don't know if you've heard of things like Buckner or the Bear mm-hmm. Foundation. We yeah, have the sure. Children's Home of Lubbock and. Um, all those license foster families as well. So yeah. you asked the question, 99 families licensed under, under CPS last week, but we're probably going to have more than that. 200 more, 150 more with all the, our 10 private agencies in town. But not even close to enough to handle uh, no, the need. No, not close. Right. So, so you, you went from, I mean, uh, on a personal level, you got involved with, with all of that. Um, just in, in your own family, with your own kids and your wife, and um, and all that. But now it, it, it's gone beyond that, right? Um, like com- community wide. So there's um, you've been involved with, and you can explain it. Um, it's called One Heart. Yeah, One Heart Orphan Care. One Heart Orphan Care. Yeah. All right. So um, so kind of ex- you know explain what that is, and you know what's taking you into that part of it. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a personal level and some people will just, yeah. you know, hang there, yeah. you know, yeah. but why, why the other, why beyond that? Well, so it was March when we got licensed, like mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier. Um, in August, um, we just felt that we weren't, we weren't doing this for no reason. Like God hadn't put this out of that for just for the kids that came through our house. Mm-hmm. Cause we thought if it, if all it took was for us to see a family that looked like us, to jump into foster care. Um, we didn't see many foster families around our church. We go to a pretty big church. I mean, we could maybe change the culture here, but it goes beyond that. Right. This, is a, this is a huge need. And so in August, um, uh, a lady who's now a good friend of mine, uh, Jill Heflin, um, goes to Experience Life Church and um, was invited to the table to begin to look at what, what does this look like for churches to partner um, what are we? What are we not doing that we could do? Because basically, the government's doing that. You're doing our job, right? Mm-hmm. They're doing the job of the church. Um, we're we're mandated to take care of these kids, and we're sitting on our hands a lot. And not everybody can do that. And that's one of our our core things is um, not everybody's called to foster adopt. That's totally that's accurate. That's true. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But we're all called to do something. And so Jill and I and um, Shanna Hargrave at Church on the Rock and um, a core group of others kind of started this journey of exploring what what can we do because these other two ladies they don't foster and adopt but their hearts are all in and they're actively bringing the community together to look at the hundreds of ways that there are to um, to lift up the fatherless and so over three years um, we've learned a whole lot we've connected to other organizations across Texas that seek to do the same thing mm-hmm. um, our mission is threefold. Because this isn't just about, it's about the kids, but to raise these kids, it takes 
a village like we all right, know. Yeah. And the village is our city right mm-hmm. now. And and it takes families and it takes churches and it takes the foster system. So that's that's our mission. Our mission is to um, support and multiply foster and adoptive homes, um, to educate and equip churches, and to support and collaborate with foster agencies. Mm-hmm. And if those three things are in place, equally strong, you end up with a really strong system. Um, and that's what One Heart Orphan Care seeks to do. So you um, basically um, resourcing or or connecting. Um, you know what what's the yes. <laughs> okay, so somebody says, you know, I, I may not um, be able to have, you know, because you know, almost when, when anybody hears about, you know, foster care or orphan care or, or any of that, they think, well, I can't do that mm-hmm. I, or I'm not there. I, yeah. you know, it's not in the place in my life where I can have, you know, kids in my home and, yeah. and different things or whatever, maybe, maybe many different reasons. And then that's it, you know. They're they're so, but it sounds like there's more than that um, yeah. needed. I mean, there's more than just a, a family to take in a foster yeah. child. Yeah, so, so so much more, and that's what we are trying to open up the imaginations our own, as well as our churches of what that looks like. And so, actually, when you open our website that just went live on Tuesday, <laughs> I'm going to put that. In the um, show notes, we've been developing yes. it for five months. And it's um, if in case somebody's just real audible, it's oneheartorphancare.org. Oneheartorphancare.org. All right, com will work. It'll redirect you to org. But oh. org is where it is. All right, um, fancy. Shout out to Brett Stallings of Stallings Design. Uh-huh. Hiller Design. That guy okay. is incredible. Um, he he understands us. He understands what we're trying to do. So this That's is awesome. really. Um, it's not just. A landing page to show our mission. This is an engagement tool, mm-hmm. and I told you what our audiences were. Um, and so, which was going back is the it, you have this support for the families that are foster families, yeah. and then for the agencies, multiple agencies that have foster families and kids coming in, right? Yeah. yeah. And then the third one was churches. Churches. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So churches. Equipping churches with like, um, just like, what the heck can I do? It's like, how do we, how do we be a voice for this? And it, mm-hmm. it's, it can be so simple. Um, but I was overwhelmed when we got out of the foster system because there's so much to learn. You really don't have to know that much. And we wanted to create space online. Anybody could access at 10, 10 o'clock at night when they're just thinking mm-hmm. about what is it that I could do? And it answers all those questions for wherever you are. So if you're, if you're, Thinking about fostering, adopting, there's a place to go for that. Mm-hmm. If you're the average person that says I can't foster and adopt, but um, but I have a sense there's something I can do, there's a place for that that just blows open the opportunities. So no, what are some of those things? Um, you know, just to kind of give a, a snippet of yeah. pique some interest and say, you know, that, that person that says I, I can't have kids in my home, but I want to support and yeah. help. I mean, it's beyond beyond maybe financially, or I don't even know if there is that. But yeah. um, what are a few of those things? You know, simple things. Those that do foster and adopt, and those that work in the system, like caseworkers, like burnout is rampant. Right, right. Like child welfare workers have like a sixty percent attrition. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the highest in the industry because it's just emotionally, it's just 
wrenches you. Right. We've had we had experiences earlier this week. We had a day Monday where a couple of our um, placements transitioning our homes. We were just in real time. We weren't there, but we were knowing exactly what was happening, and police were having to be involved. And these kids are just, just trauma after trauma after trauma, and. So we're not doing that. We're taking care of the kids in the home, but our caseworkers, foster agencies, and the CPS, they are doing that daily, mm-hmm. and it kills you. And so when you ask what what is there to do, um, two of the big things that there's so many ways just in these two things yeah. are surround the foster families. Like come come to their aid, and that doesn't just mean like we'll give them money. Just just support them emotionally. Mm. Um, create a culture in your church or in your community that says, we care about you, that says, we've got your back, be attentive to them. So we start, one of the first things we started um, at our church, after we became foster parents, is a um, foster parent let out. Mm-hmm. It's for the whole city. Anybody can sign up. We have 50 spots available uh, once a month, and registration literally fills it up in, like, minutes. We shoot out the email, and we're... Like, it, like they fill up on... Foster families that they need and night out. <laughs> yeah, we've got 50, 50 kids in about 25 minutes. Mm. Um, and, of course, a long line waiting list because there's such a need for this. And so families come in, and it's just your drop drops, like how grateful they are that mm-hmm. a church is just doing this. And it's for free. It's no cost. We just want you guys to go have a date or go grocery shopping by yourself. Some, some parents use it to have one-on-one time with kids that mm-hmm. need it. Um, it's such a simple thing to do. And, and through that, people have come in and said, well, can we, we know families come to your, your event once a month, can we provide gift cards for them or provide something? So there's opportunities in that. Mm-hmm. But surrounding a foster family, I mean, just like you would surround a family friend um, that needed support. Mm-hmm. You could, yeah. Lawn care, cleaning, take them a meal every once in a while, just be thinking about them. And on the other side, the same thing is true for for foster agencies. Um, simple as taking them cookies, writing them a note. There's deeper ways to partner with them, but just let them know that you care. Those are some of the, the ways that you'll see them. Work. So the, the the One Heart, that the whole idea of this, of One Heart. Orphan Care. Orphan Care. Yeah. <laughs> you I just keep saying One Heart. Um, the whole idea of that is to, is to bridge that yes. gap. Um, I get, you know, because I mean, like, like I said, I mean, there's, there's probably lots of people out there that know that there's no some of that exists, but what what do we do? Um, so is 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 one one heart? Is that um, it's primarily local? I mean, I'm I'm assuming this is um, us. I mean, for, this is right for now. It's it's Lubbock, the Lubbock area. Um, we kind of have a vision to expand regionally. Um, I mean, this isn't the kind of thing you would say, hey, statewide. This is mm-hmm. one heart. It's got to be local. Yeah. And so we talk so there about, may be some other people that I mean sure. can look at this and say, "Oh man, we yeah. need like this in you know I don't know Austin or or even you know smaller yeah. towns." And a lot of these bigger cities do. That's what I talk. We're having lots of conversations with those. That <clears throat> so there's some of these all over that are more mature than ours and that are behind ours both ways. Okay. And we're just sharing of ideas going on. Mm. And so oh, that's good. We're not um, we're not the first to do these boundaries. Right. Thank you for coming on and giving us a picture, you know, of, of what what the needs are, you know, in, in this particular, you know, part of our communities all over. And then beyond that, thank you. Just just real quick before we 
finished reading this book yesterday by um, Barbara Brown Taylor. It's called An Altar in the World. Not a book I would have picked up, by the way, if you see the cover. looks like a chick book, but it was, <laughs> it was highly recommended to me. And so I started it last night, and she said many, good books. many years ago, uh, this old wise priest from Alabama invited her to come speak, and she said, what do you want me to speak on? And he said, come tell us what is saving your life right now. Oh, and that's just an interesting. And instead of talking about what we're supposed to be doing or, you know, talking about the right way to walk as a Christian or all these things that she was used to bringing, um, she got to just sit and think about the really simple things. God was, how is he changing us? And there's some simple ways God has changed me, but when it comes to foster care, beyond anything, nothing compares to the way that this has changed my fatherhood, um, my heart, my husbandry. Husbandry? Yeah. I can't do it. I think that's the right word. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, like we, right. we, we don't care what, that's a, attention what? much because we know how much we needed this. Yeah. That's such a great question. Yeah. I would never think to, it's a good way to, good way to end it, um, I think. And what was the question? It was, what is saving your life right now? Yeah. Maybe this is what it needs to be for somebody. Yeah. I don't know. It was for you. It was for us. And, uh, well, again, thank you yeah. for spending the time and being on episode one of probably that's it. No, no, me. I hope not. You know, the best thing about this show is your your supply is, like, unlimited. Yeah, exactly. There's so many. Yeah. Ordinary people. Yeah. I see them all the time. <laughs> exactly. I get up in the morning. My house is full of them. Your house is full of them? (laughs) So is mine. All right, Chris. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Amazingly Ordinary podcast. Be sure to check us out on theamazinglyordinary.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and join us for future episodes as we talk to some ordinary people that are doing amazing things in our world. (laughs) 